0: Hi, and welcome to Serenity Now, a place for entrepreneurs to ask questions, learn, get connected, and be inspired. Join us as we talk about all things business and the search for the ever-elusive Serenity Now in both business and personal life. In today's episode, Serenity Now for Entrepreneurs unpacks funding for businesses and shares expertise that many listeners seek. Nina shares her perspective as a serial entrepreneur and what she did to finance her companies, and what she now wishes was known from the start. I thought, you know, entrepreneurs, you're self-made, you use your own money,
1: you save money, you, you know, you do it yourself. That's what you're supposed to do. It never occurred to me to look for grants. I did not think that grants were a real thing.
0: So many businesses are starting out and need
2: funding. Are grants available for startups? Hear what Peggy says about this. When you start a business, you're probably going to have to do a bit of what Nita did and start with your own pocket change.
3: So how does this work? If you've got a good base or foundation for your record keeping, and then you can plug in these gaps that you see in your projections through perhaps Shred as a grant, perhaps these hiring grants that Stephanie's talking about. And then
0: there's also loans. Interested in using grants for your business? How are they used and why are they important? A sole proprietor, you know, a small business, a large business, they could be leveraging these grants to hire people, to train their staff up, to expand into new markets.
2: I actually think, you know, leveraging um, government grants is probably one of the greatest things that a business can do because as you say, it goes straight to the bottom line.
0: Does this sound familiar to you serial entrepreneurs out there? I just had an idea.
1: I had no projections, Rita. Like, there was no projections you're talking about. This was like, hey, we're going to try this. One company's making money. We're funding the other company for six months, and we're going to see how it goes. That's it. That was the thought process.
0: What are the best practices from an accounting standpoint when you utilize non-dilutive funding?
4: Good records um, on an accounting standard is going to be my number one recommendation when it comes to when it comes to any sort of grants
0: and even loans grants are one thing but loans have a place in funding your business too listen to what stephanie has to say about this i will say that in hindsight i would absolutely probably in the second or third year of my business when i've i've got a comfort level that there's you know repeat revenues and um, the client base is strong I would. I should have leveraged uh, different loan programs. Take a listen as Serenity Now for Entrepreneurs shows you the money. Welcome to another episode of Serenity Now for Entrepreneurs. Today's episode is really interesting because it really draws on expertise from a, a large group of us here as the Serenity sisters, where we speak on different types of financing programs that are available for businesses. So we're going to chat about grants, we're going to ch- chat about tax credit, we're going to discuss loans. And we're also going to tie it together and and talk a little bit about the accounting side of things and how you need to ensure that you're keeping your books in alignment, especially when you're dealing with government funds or bank funds and, and whatnot. So I, we thought the best way of doing this would be to chat with an entrepreneur who's also a Serenity sister on how she had financed um, her business. So Nina... I'm going to just kind of bring you into the conversation from the start and ask you to introduce your businesses. Maybe you can choose one or two, up to you. And then let's chat a little bit about your process of funding your business and what you knew when you first started it. Um and then we can, you know, discuss what are the some of the options that would be available to you. So, go ahead, Nina.
1: So, I started my first business uh, 23 years ago, and that was graphic design. So, I went from a job to uh, freelance to having my own boutique marketing agency. Um, A few years later, I realized it's hard to scale that up because it's you on your own, and I saw an opportunity for something really unique when I was traveling um, and it was airbrush tattoos and body painting. With my marketing background, I'm like, oh, that would really be cool to use airbrushing for logos. I can see this happening for branding, marketing. So the wheel started turning. It never occurred to me to look for grants. I did not think that grants were a real thing. And Stephanie is one of our many sisters. And I learned about grants when I really met Stephanie. So not that long ago, but (laughs) I did, I thought, you know, entrepreneurs, you're self-made. You use your own money. You save money. You, you know, you do it yourself. That's what you're supposed to do. So when I came across this opportunity, I started doing my research, found out how much the equipment costs, started putting money away for it. I bootstrapped everything. I paid for everything myself. I didn't go to a bank. I used a really small amount on my credit card and then paid it off right away because, you know, I don't want to have debt, right? Why would you want to have that? So I did the training. I'm self-trained. I didn't pay for the training because it was $800 U.S. at the time. I'm like, I'm not paying that, I'm paying for this whole company myself. So also there was a risk attached to it. Like, it's airbrush tattoos in 2003. Nobody had ever even heard of it. So I didn't want to go get a big loan or go ask my parents for money. They thought it, the whole idea was insane. These are immigrant parents, you know. They, did. They're not they gonna really support. did. They really they did. Really and did. they're not going to support you running off from graphic design and marketing to go airbrush tattoo people. Like, that was insanity. So I spent $800 total on the first set of equipment. Getting set up and opening a kiosk location at Metro Town, we made eight hundred dollars on the first day. Wow! So, so okay. I had my return on investment in one day. It's it's unusual, but it was the timing of it. It was how it was set up. It was that people were like, "What is this? What's going on?" And um, this type of company is the type of company that if one person does it, it it just it draws a buzz and everybody wants to try it. So I just, I bootstrapped everything, every new location, every new piece of equipment, every hire, training. Now I look back and I'm like, there is grants for employees? There was like, yeah. you know, I, I had no idea. In my mind, I thought grants were for not-for-profits. Um, they were for uh, maybe students. And for some reason in my head, I kept thinking grants were for you know, agriculture or industries like that that needed right. help. I thought if you have a, an idea on your own and you're going to try it, you you fund yourself. You know, right. and there is a little bit of that entrepreneur mentality where you pat yourself on the back because you're like, I I did it by myself. But it is challenging to do it on your own, and if there's other options available. I love that if somebody can show you the money, like show me the money. Sure. If I was doing it over again, I would definitely be looking at those options. And and I believe any startups should.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about and unpack a little bit on the grant side of things. I think this is actually part of the reason why I went into this business as well, because I'm fourth generation Chinese entrepreneur, None of my parents, none of my aunts and uncles, my grandparents never used government available funding. And when we talk about grants, we're really talking about non-dilutive funding, which means it doesn't cut into your share structure. The government doesn't take a portion of your company because they gave you some money and it's not repayable. So if you're using it correctly and you're using it for what it was meant for, um, you do the reporting on it, then essentially it's kind of like, okay, take the money and go. Um, So absolutely, you know, when I started the business, my understanding was also that everything had to be really high tech. You had to have some like innovation to be able to access funding. It's for research and development. You know, we'll we'll chat about that in a in a few minutes because um, Peggy will bring that into play as well. But the idea of using grants to me really resonated when I was like, wow, all of these companies, any company a sole proprietor, you know, a small business, a large business, they could be leveraging these grants to hire people, to train their staff up, to expand into new markets. So that's kind of where Granted uh, was born, was just out of this desire to help a community that really didn't understand this. So I will say, Nina, you're not alone. It's not like, oh, do other people know this? And grants are really pie in the sky for people. And I think your assumption that grants are for um you know, students, that they're for nonprofits, charities, and agriculture, and, you know, unique uh, different industries like that. I don't think that that's a wrong conception. It's just, it's, you know, it's just narrow in the way that um, there's so many grants that a lot of people don't know of. And so I think this, this is exactly what it is. Like, a few things that I identified immediately from what you discussed is being able to hire people. What does that do? That gives you the ability to do things that you're really good at doing and then transfer the things that you don't love doing like admin work maybe bookkeeping to somebody else who has opportunity to learn and so they can learn from you and and increase kind of their employability skills and for that that's why the government would be offering funding that supports part of their wages So sometimes these grants are called wage subsidies right because it's subsidizing the wage and it's not forever you know it's not like oh you hire someone and they're on a wage subsidy for 10 years it's you hire them and they might be on a wage subsidy for three months or six months until they've learned the skills and then of course Nina, you spoke of training the opportunity there absolutely is training yourself maybe training your staff and in the past it was if you are the business owner you're not going to be able to get as much in training funds Because they see that as an operational thing, right? But if you're training staff up, you know, how much faster could your business be going if you were able to train someone up to be another technician or to train someone to do social media or to train someone to, you know, do your sales for you? And so opportunities like that are available. And then as you expand, and I know you do events as well, being able to take your products and your services into another country. And so remember... The Canadian government's not going to necessarily want to have competing companies within Canada and funding them to compete with each other. So the idea is to be able to look at opportunities outside of Canada and to be able to capture market share internationally. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of just a few types of grants. And of course, it goes beyond that now with a lot of clean tech and a lot of initiatives in that area. There there are some niche type of programs as well. Um, But one area that I don't have very much expertise in is really in like the tax credits and that research and development side. So I'm actually going to draw on Peggy's expertise on this because Peggy, you know, shred and the SR needy tax credit system was told to me. You know, my parents told me, my mom told me she worked at CRA for 30 years. Like, why are you doing grants? You should do shred. That's way more lucrative. <laughs> And I never, I never went into it. It just, I didn't have this interest. So I'm fascinated by how you grew your business and and tips that you can share with the listeners today on what are some of the best practices when you're looking at either the Canadian Shred uh, program or other tax credits that support innovation in other countries.
2: Right. Thanks, Steph. Yeah, I started my business 30 plus years ago, and when I started, Nita, it's kind of funny you're you're saying you you didn't think the grants were for people. Well. People didn't believe that shred was accessible. They, act, we had to sell them on the fact that there was government funding out there. Thirty plus years later, everybody understands that the scientific research and experimental development tax credits are out there, and they're generous and they're unlimited. And if you qualify, you get them. And that's really different from um, some of the grant programs that are discretionary, where they can get a budget and they grant fund decides who gets the money. Whereas Shred, the wonderful thing about it is, is that if your project meets the eligibility, there is no cap on how much the government will spend supporting those projects. So you are able to claim if your project is eligible. Now, the science side of it is that you have to be not necessarily doing groundbreaking work in the world at large, but you have to be doing something that pushes your own knowledge a little bit. It can be incrementally or it can be a big improvement. And for that, the government will give you a portion of that funding back. It's a great program. It's been around since the mid-80s, and most companies, as I say, are quite familiar with it. Accessing it is, like most grants, um, it's a little bit of a niche. It's it's something that you need to have some documentation for, and you need to be prepared when you make a claim, and you need to have a good advisor to help you understand what parts of the work that you did were shred, and make your application really accurate when it goes in in the beginning. The worst thing you want to do is start an uphill climb with the CRA, Um Once you file an application, that's a bit off. And I do know that you mentioned other countries and whatnot. There's a lot of similar programs in England and the United States for tax credits for innovation. And in Canada, there's also other programs. And um, Nina, you mentioned the agriculture industry. There is a whole bank of um, of granting programs in that industry. And one of them is the Agri Innovate. And there's there's a good amount of um, some of them are tax free, or sorry, interest free um, loans, and other ones are actual grant amounts. But it's it's definitely worth looking into, and it's something that it's a bit daunting. I've tried to look into other grants that I don't have an expertise in myself. And when I first look at the requirements and trying to understand the ins and outs of it, it is rather daunting. But, you know, I'm very comfortable with um, being able to assess what's shred and what's not. And I'm sure Stephanie can tell you very quickly what grant would be um, worth going after for your company or a combination of grants. And, and that's the benefit of us working in it every single day. So, you know, I do I do say that, you know, Go after grants, but get some good help because it just streamlines the process and and makes it accessible. Otherwise, they can seem rather daunting, and there's nothing worse than putting in an application and having to, you know, defend it and do an uphill climb. So, and that just sort of leads me to that whole side of, um, you know, the the documentation side, Candice. I mean. When we talk about when we talk about these grants, there's all kinds of requirements on the um not only just the technical documentation but being prepared for a grant, having the right bookkeeping, having the right financials. Maybe you could just touch on that a bit for us
4: for sure um so for all of these programs and for accounting and and taxation in general, actually, the cornerstone is always going to be good records um and everybody thinks they're wonderful. The records are wonderful. But honestly, if you're going to be applying for grants and know what your financial situation is, is you you need an actual proper accounting system. Um, likely the free one that you get online is probably not going to suffice. Um, you might need to invest a little bit of money into it. Um but they're not expensive. And some of the cloud-based options are like really user-friendly. You don't have to be an accountant to be able to use them these days. The, The, uh, the if they're set up properly, you get, you know, the right help right up front, you know, 80, 90% of your accounting work is done pretty seamlessly. And with, um, and you don't really need a lot of knowledge to, and to, to keep it going. You know, you're gonna need some help once in a while, but, but just having the right system in place allows you to pull the reports that you need to apply for the grants and then also pull the reports that you need to to uh, pull to keep the grants. Because some of these grants have uh, post-reporting requirements um, in order to, um, to 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 keep or to get the money. So good records um, on an accounting standard is going to be my number one recommendation when it comes to when it comes to any sort of grants and even loans. Right, Rita?
3: Absolutely, Candace. Um, You know, I think I think tying it all together, grants are a piece of the puzzle uh, for helping you to grow and build your business. Uh, Nina, I'm 100% with you and and originally fearful of taking on any debt and that grants was just so nuanced. So, forget it. Just, I'm just not going to look at it. (laughs) Just much easier. I I respond and report to myself way better. And that's why I'm an entrepreneur, right? So, (laughs) uh, but, but if you take the approach of looking at your company holistically um, and you set your foundation and you build your growth plan and your strategy with your team of advisors and, and I'm just going to put in a plug. If you have the Serenity Sisters with you, you know you're going to be <laughs> fine. <laughs> there you go. But, but you know, all joking to the side, you will have your own team of advisors that you've built up as you continue to build and grow your business. And when you look at the business, it's not just one piece. You can't just look at one area. So as you're growing and building projections, you're going to see shortfalls. So in this month... I will need to hire someone or I will not be able to get the revenues or in this month, I'll have a working capital shortfall because I need to be able to cover the additional expense of hiring someone the month before because they're not going to be revenue producing. They're not going to produce their wage for at least another, well, it'd be nice in six months, but perhaps not a year, you know, like until they get through it all depending on their level and their expertise. So you take a look at what's actually happening in your growth plan through this thing called projections, and and those are set up well if you've got a good base or foundation for your record-keeping, as Candice said, and then you can plug in these gaps that you see in your projections through perhaps Shred as a grant, perhaps these hiring grants that Stephanie's talking about and then there's also loans and i am with you um you know taking on debt that's scary but debt can actually be good debt or bad debt and so um i understand sometimes people can't see that difference between the two but debt can leverage and propel your business forward way faster than you could ever do on your own and so the debt has to actually match You know, what are you actually doing? So I call it short term, medium term and long term. In the short term, you might have a working capital crunch. So you match your short term crunch with like an operating line. And that helps you because, as we all know, in the last couple of years, some clients took a little longer to pay. So we gave them that room to pay us back by us using an operating line. To help finance that piece of the puzzle now sometimes you're going to have to buy equipment and sometimes it's kind of you know a good healthy um, big piece of equipment and we can say agriculture or we can say maybe nina your compressors or maybe we can uh, talk about some very large equipment that we need for a manufacturing company that's like a medium term you know piece of or medium term asset so instead of doing taking it all out of your operating line and financing that, you know, piece of equipment because it was easily accessible and the bank didn't ask you any questions, <laughs> but the next month you'll be short on on wages maybe. So that's not a great way to use that short term. That that revolving line of credit should go up and down. So instead you match it up with a longer term loan. So you get a loan for that asset. So they base it on the life value of the asset you know, the sellability of it. And that helps you then not dip into your operating line and you continue to build. Cause that asset, that piece of equipment, maybe shaves time, maybe helps you build production faster, but you have to understand what does that do for your business? So run the numbers. And then finally, you go into something like a very long-term asset. That could be a building or a vehicle. So it costs a lot more. And that's where you pick up a mortgage, for example. And that's where you use a loan for that. And all of these pieces are good debt because you've actually sat down to work through your growth strategy, through your projections, saw your shortfall and explained that and then picked up these good debts to allow you to leverage and grow your business that much faster. But you've also grabbed some of these grants, which are awesome now, now that we have Stephanie here, (laughs) now that we've got Peggy um, to work on the research side of things. And, you know, I, I think sometimes people feel like they need to learn it all. And my, my whole piece for everything and partners for growth and what we're all about, don't, don't learn it all. Just do what you're good at. Because if you try to do it all, then, you know, for example, the books will sit on the side of the desk, it'll sit there and then you get stressed and then you look at it and then you have fear and then you have paralysis and forget it, it's done. you yeah. know. So, so mm-hmm. hand that off to somebody like Candace. If you have an idea that could be what we call shreddable, pick up the phone and call Peggy. Um, she'll be able to answer those questions pretty quickly and or maybe help you devise a different strategy to allow you to be able to use that. And then when it comes to the other pieces or grant side of things, Give Stephanie a call. I don't think she's going to say, no, I'm not here to answer your calls. Okay. (laughs) So, you know, these are advisors and resources that you get to use that perhaps at the very beginning of the stage or setup of the company, you didn't know. And besides, you were too busy trying to figure out how to set up a company. So like, how do you figure all these pieces out? So you get to know these nuances and advisors through referrals, through making mistakes and and then building your business. But take a holistic approach. That's what we do. So we'll pull in um, Stephanie. We'll pull in Peggy. We'll pull in Candace as part of the team or great partners that we get to work with for our clients. So hopefully that helps a little bit on mm-hmm. the loan side. I mean, how do you get it? That's a whole different... <laughs> That's another another
2: episode. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? You brought up something, Rita, that I think we should mention. I think Stephanie, I get a lot of people coming to us and thinking that certain things are, are fundable through grants, and one of them is machinery. And the other one is the startup of a business. And the reality is, you know, one, at one time, um, pre 2014, there was a bit of a tax credit on equipment, but it, but it wasn't that generous. But certainly when it comes to purchasing equipment, I think you need to take the view that, that Rita has taken there. There is generally not government funding for that. As well as when you start a business, you're probably going to have to do a bit of what Nita did and start with your own pocket change
0: i'll I'll add to this, you know what's fascinating for me is i'm I'm a cash only girl I've always always taught like you don't go and take debt on unless you can pay it all off, and so what's the point in doing like a five thousand dollar loan or a line you know what what's the point in doing that when you're first starting your business? I will say that in hindsight, I would absolutely probably in the second or third year of my business when i've I've got a comfort level that there's you know repeat revenues and um the client base is strong. I would I should have leveraged uh different loan programs because it really exactly what you were saying, Rita, like it does move your business so much faster. If I was able to triple my team or bring in the right technology and not try to do it in a quote unquote air quotes lean manner. <laughs> where you're just piecing things together yeah. or using like what Candace <laughs> said, like free technology, and it only takes you up to this number of transactions. And then you got to yeah. figure out what you're going to do after that. So it just gives you an, as an entrepreneur, a little bit of breathing space. And I think that everybody has a different comfort level with things that are repayable. So obviously loans are repayable. Um But as women entrepreneurs, there are so many different options that we have. Um, that can help us a little bit further and give us a little bit more leverage. And you're not then having to put your house as collateral or, you know, a bunch of other things that are your personal assets. So, Nina, I think, um, that's kind of what I learned in doing the business. And now I find that I'm, I am a little bit more. Adventurous and telling people, look at all of these different ways. You know, there's the bank of mom and dad, I say, and yeah. venture capitalists and there's, you know, and, uh, and loans and tax credits and grants and savings. And, and so do it in a way that you're really comfortable with and speak to the professionals to ensure that you're not over leveraging. Um, let's talk about
2: the- that a bit. let yeah, actually, I think that's a really good point. Um, you mentioned bad debt. What what do we mean when we say bad debt, good debt? I, I hear what good debt is. I've I experienced good debt where you use a bank's money to purchase something and it grows. You still only I, I've,
1: I've seen some bad debt. I've seen some companies go awry more in my marketing company, like the, where somebody's come up with an idea. This is this is what I'm gonna try. And like I did with tattoos for now way back then. I just had an idea I had no projections Rita like there was no projections you're talking about this was like hey we're gonna try this one company's making money we're funding the other company for six months and we're gonna see how it goes that's it that was the thought process well that's a plan that's a plan it's some sort of a plan um the, but what I've seen yes. other companies what they do is they go they go hire the best marketing firm for their idea that they don't even know is viable. And now you spent twenty thousand dollars on a website, and I would oh, say Lord. that that is not the best idea. Like test your idea first, see if it's viable, and then go and spend money. And I I feel like that if you're incurring debt for those kinds of especially marketing expenditures when your idea is not tested and proven to be viable and there's a, like a mark, a target market not the one that's in your head but people are actually buying stuff from you like whatever yeah. it is you're selling then like hold off as for the bank of mom and dad the problem with mom and dad is if you happen to have a mom and dad like mine that are incredibly vocal they're going to want since they're sort to of say so in your business which <laughs> you might not want so proceed with you caution don't. there they're going to tell you, you know what you should do? Hey, I gave you this money. So let yeah. me tell you what I think. Right. So there's, there's some things there that could be also bad debt, Peggy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, especially if sense. you
2: lose it, Nina.
1: Yes. And then you got to go to Thanksgiving dinner with your parents while they're staring at you <laughs> across the table.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to share a little bit. Um, that's such a good point. Sometimes we throw around these terms, Peggy, mm-hmm. and and we're like, you should know what this is. And and really, we got to take a step back. Um, some of the things that I can call bad debt, you know, is akin to what you were talking about, Nina, is you're leveraging your credit card. But if you're not paying that back within the allotted time, then your rates of interest could potentially just be too high. And you're actually not realizing you're financing your business with a credit card, but you're not calculating that interest rate into your costs and you're actually not going to be making any money off of your product or good or service because you're paying too much interest. So being cautious about that, but you can also call a credit card good debt because if you use it and and use it right to that last day and then pay within <laughs> yeah. that 30 day, you're like I just got 30 day terms. That yes. is sweet. So the other thing is with your customers, you can, you can use them as a source of financing. You know, so some people say, well, how do, you, how do you do that? Well, you collect your receivables on time and you stay on top of it. Well, another way is you can say, I discount what I charged you by 10% if you pay me faster. Mm-hmm. Does it help you? But just run the numbers, do the math. The other source um, could be your suppliers. You can go to your suppliers and say, "Can I have 30-day terms?" And they're gonna say, "You're a startup. You're gonna get nothing. Not only <laughs> that it's cash on demand now." <laughs> yes. But but then you kind of build that relationship. And what I always say is, "You don't know until you ask." So you keep asking. After 30 days, after 60 days, after you know, eventually they're gonna say, "Well, this person has paid us. Maybe we'll give them." 10 days. And you're going to say, yes, I got 10 days. And then you build that out to 30 or 60 day terms. Another form of bad debt though, and please, please be really careful about this because I've seen it too often is customers come over to me and say, I just signed on at 26 locations of a retail store and I freak out immediately, or I just got this big launch with Costco I'm not saying anything bad against Costco. Please don't take any offense. We go there. <laughs> we, we support Costco. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that have you looked at the fine print on the terms of payment? So this customer is big. This customer basically has the power. You have no power. So when one person came over to me and said, i got 26 locations, and they were so excited. And They're like, can you now let's go to the bank and let's get this funding. And I said, no, I'm almost too scared to ask. What mm. are your terms? And, you know, he was like, I don't, what do you, what do you mean? I'm like, send me the documents. Just let me start reading them because yeah. I'm scared crapless right now. And the terms were 180 days, not from the day you started. It was the date of arrival of the goods so if this person is let's they were they were in food manufacturing so you hire the staff you buy the ingredients you whip up your recipe you put it together get it on a truck and get it to 26 locations now think about that cost that output and now i have to wait 6 months to get paid on that first one mm-hmm. is that good mm-hmm. So, so being very careful. So bad debt can come in many different forms. And one of the ones I really like to stress on or try to help people see is be careful of those large
2: orders. <laughs>
3: be really careful of the large companies. It's exciting to say, hey, I'm with them, but you've got to be ready for that. And that's where a good person like Candace, uh and myself will come along and go, Hold tight, hold tight. <laughs> and, right. You know, yeah. we might we might actually say no. I've said no to some of these places until a company was ready. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and built enough in their background and their operating line to sustain something like that. So good good
2: question. Yeah. I right think, I've did. seen failures because yeah, of that.
1: For sure. I think with, sales- with
2: innovative products that you know, all of a sudden this guy that invented it in his, you know, back shop all of a sudden is buying $900,000 worth of inventory because he has to supply home hardware
3: or Home
2: Depot or whomever and, and hugely fails, but I see his product in there all the time. I
3: have a, I have a love, hate relationship with inventory. Um, You know, I hate inventory because I don't want to hold it because if you hold it, you're actually financing it. The faster you turn it, that's where you make money. Mm-hmm. But in the last two years, what's been happening? How long does it take for stuff to arrive? Yeah. So now you can't do this just-in-time inventory anymore. That right? sounds
2: like so... a whole new episode. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We're going to wrap this one up, but I, I love the quick fire. Um, just, you know, if there's any last thoughts or if there's something that you'd learn on here. So um, I'm going to start first and I will just say there's something that I'd forgotten to mention, which is When you leverage grants or tax credits, remember that it is your investing in this And then it's a reimbursement process sometimes from the government so don't assume that the money comes as soon as you sign up on a contract that often does not happen and it's because the government you know they're stewards of taxpayer dollars so they need to make sure that they're not just dropping fifty thousand dollars into a company's bank account and then not able to get what was originally promised um because there's an another you know fire that that entrepreneur needs to put out first with that money so just keep that in mind you need to have a little bit of cash flow there um, Nina, what what are your kind of thoughts on today's episode? Well, and what did you learn? Listening,
1: yeah, listening to all this and wrapping up, you know, where I started and where I am today, I you know, we just have to keep in mind that this was 19 years ago. So there wasn't the internet and there wasn't all this knowledge available, but now we have that, right? Well, there was the internet. It was just limited. So, uh, you know, it's great to have these options available. You can research, we have YouTube now, like we we can talk to advisors. There's companies out there, which is great. Um, I would just say that, you know, I like to build a business with proceeding with caution. Like I, I like to take it one step at a time. And a service company is really different than a product company so I was able to bootstrap it so I would say for those product companies and and that still be cautious right and just talking about those big orders and and um, Costco and such I would say sales just always needs to talk to accounting so that's my final thought (laughs) the sales guys (laughs) needs to talk to the accounting guy and they should be nice (laughs) to marketing as well
0: love it Um, Peggy, what are your kind of parting thoughts on this
2: episode? I I actually think, you know, leveraging um, government grants is probably one of the greatest things that a business can do, because as you say, it goes straight to the bottom line. And I always tell my clients, especially if they're involved in innovation and doing new products, that the Shred Grant is and should be treated like your best customer. Because mm. there's very few customers that you will dump, say, on average, I see $60,000 per client. I would say that's been a pretty consistent average for a lot of years. So $60,000 grant onto your bottom line. I don't know many customers that you'll get that much profit from. So, reading yeah. thoughts.
4: I was going to say, on the on the profit note, I'm just going to jump in here and just remind people that when you're getting these grants, they are usually going to be taxed by the government.
2: So True, you yeah. don't
4: have to repay them, you don't have yeah. to repay them, but you do have to pay tax on them and I can tell you a lot of startups they they you know they have a really profitable year first year, and they they're all excited about the money they're making, and they use that money to leverage the business further and they forget about the taxes right and then that becomes a bad debt because now the tax time mm. comes due, and they have a huge tax bill that they can't they can't pay, so don't forget to um to put that into your planning because uh because they, uh, they're not very forgiving, those folks over there at CRA.
0: So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a great point, Candace. Thanks for chiming in on that. Um, Rita, I'll let you yeah. close this one out.
3: Yeah, no, I, I'm with everyone. You know, I'm with Nina. Proceed with caution. You know, what I always love to say is build that foundation. I understand your numbers. Um, you can get um, definitely grants from many different places. And I really love the idea of being able to utilize them when they actually fit. Your needs and at the time you need it uh, and sometimes they don't and use that as part of your holistic finance approach to your growth strategy for your business along with loans that match you know the terms of the assets so i i i love i love talking about numbers and finance and everything but proceed with caution take some time to walk through this process um and and yeah, absolutely. You gotta talk to a Candace on this stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes.
4: Everyone talk to Candace. Yeah, Everyone. There you go. Everybody oh. should have a good accountant in their in their, their uh portfolio of advisors for sure.
0: Agreed, so. agreed. Um well this was such a enlightening episode. Um, you know, it's a little bit longer, but I think that the topic is really relevant to new startups that are happening and having expectations of free money out there. Um, as well as those who are pivoting and growing and uh, doing things a little bit differently. So just some options in terms of financing available. So uh, please share this episode with anyone you feel could benefit from it. Um, and I know that I always continue to learn from these ladies as well. You never know when by sharing this episode you are able to give an entrepreneur that you know some serenity now. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up some good tips and best practices that would benefit your entrepreneurial journey. Remember, none of the content in this podcast should be relied upon as standard legal or business advice. Always consult a professional for your specific business. You may know someone who could benefit from this podcast. Please share it with your business community and perhaps it
2: can give an entrepreneur you know some serenity now.